You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. cough up the required tax you're in that county you got to pay Levi for your taxes and on the way away from that tax collector's booth you'd say and I'll tell you where you can go Levi but here's a guy that on this day Jesus shows up at his tax collector's franchise and he's not being told where to go he's being bid to come Levi follow me radical and what Levi does is radical. Regardless of your political leanings and how you view taxes, you probably feel at least a little bit of spider bitterness when it comes time to pay that bill every year. And we have a relatively fair and transparent system in our country. But that wasn't the case in Jesus' day. Tax collectors were widely recognized as greedy and corrupt. But as Pastor Danny leads us through today's passage, we'll witness Jesus overstepping the cultural boundaries and making one of these despised characters his disciple. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter two, as he begins his message, lessons on evangelism and church fellowship. Last weekend, the story of the paralytic who was uh, let down in a crowded room where Jesus was teaching. Uh, They couldn't get this guy into Jesus because of the crowd, and so they tore off a portion of the roof. They lowered him down right in front of Jesus, and the first thing Jesus says is not what they were expecting. You have to believe that. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees who were there were muttering and thinking to themselves, why this blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so Jesus then turns to the paralytic um, and he says, now, son, take your mat and go home. So he gets up, takes his mat. He's totally healed, proving uh, that Jesus has authority to forgive sins because he's God. And that's one of the things we learn. We learn that Jesus has authority as God to forgive sins. We learn that forgiveness is man's greatest need. That's why the first thing Jesus says to the guy is, son, your sins are forgiven. We learn that God longs to forgive us. He wants to forgive us more than we want to be forgiven. And then we learn that when God speaks, and this was a great point to end on, when God speaks, it is done. It's done. So when he says you're forgiven, man, you're forgiven. That's it. Tremendous story, but... I love the Bible and the story this week. Pick it up with me, Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, the Sea of Galilee, Lake of Gennesaret. Large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. Now, if you have not noticed, let me note for you that the Bible uh, quite often tells you whose child it is. 
Usually it tells you the father's name. That was part of the cultural thing. This is Levi, son of Alphaeus. Sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's a radical story. Radical things happen. Radical. What does that word mean? Sweeping, far-reaching, major, drastic, all in the story. Imagine being at work one day. Jesus shows up. Uh, you're behind the desk. Oh, you don't work at the desk. You're driving the forklift. Either way, he comes up to the desk, to the forklift. He comes to the forklift. You shut it down because it's Jesus. And once he shuts it down, he says to you, follow me. And you get up. You leave work. And you follow him. That's radical. Now, I understand. If Jesus were to show up tomorrow, maybe you're off tomorrow, Tuesday. And if he were to say, follow me, you'd be glad to leave your job. <laughs> I understand where some of us work. <laughs> Nevertheless, this is radical. Radical. Now, a little background on Levi, I think, will be helpful. First of all, Jesus does not tell Levi to leave his job. And some people, we got to get that straight, all right? Levi would not go back to the tax collector job. He would become an apostle, a full-time minister of the gospel. We know that. But not everybody who followed Jesus left their jobs, even if they were tax collectors. How do I know that? Luke's gospel, chapter 3. Ministry of John the Baptist, preparing the way for the Lord. And in Luke chapter 3, um, John's baptizing a baptism unto repentance. You're repenting of your sin. You're, you're, you're making a fresh commitment to God. And tax collectors, verse 12, also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And here's what he says. Don't collect any more than you're required to. That's your repentance. Don't collect any more than you're required to. He didn't say leave your job. He said, stop the dishonest practices in your work. He's a tax collector. Let's help understand that. A lot of times in the Bible, publicans are linked with tax collectors, and publicans and tax collectors are linked with sinners. A publican. A publican was a general contractor, so to speak. That's, that'll help us understand it. They would bid to the Roman government for jobs. They might do a big building project. But one of the common things that publicans bid for was a region under Roman rule. And if they won the bid for the region, then they as a publican now are responsible for making sure everybody in that region pays their taxes to Rome. In order to get the job done, the publican would have to hire out tax collectors to do the footwork. And a tax collector, it was like getting a franchise in a county, for example. Uh, you know, you might have Pinellas County. That's your county. 
but you have a whole region the publican's responsible for, and he has X amount of tax collectors, and they're collecting taxes, and at the end of the period, when they have to pay the tax, the publican's responsible for bringing all that and paying a quota based on the population for his region. And here's what was common. Pretty much every tax collector did it. He had his quota based on the quota total for the region. He had his responsibility. But what he would do, he would pad the price. And he would pocket the overage. Pretty much every tax collector in this day, in this culture, was dishonest. Because of their greed, dishonesty, and the fact that they worked for the Roman government, which in itself was despicable to the Jewish world, they were a despised bunch. Last thing a mother wanted revealed about her son is that he had become a tax collector, especially if his name is Levi, because the Levites were especially called by God to serve in the priesthood. And no doubt that's why mom and dad named him Levi. Whether he went to Christian school to prepare for the priesthood, I don't know. But some point along the way, Levi decided, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I can make a lot of money as a tax collector. The farthest thing his mom and dad expected and wanted for his life. And of course, in the culture... <laughs> They know he's Levi's son of Alphaeus, so immediately, mom, dad, that's your kid. Tax collectors were barred from being witnesses in court. Why? I solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and the next thing that comes out of their mouth is a bold-faced lie. It can't be trusted. They were banished from attendance at the local synagogue. They couldn't go to church. Here's a guy who is accustomed to to being banished from former friends and family, pretty much banished from everyone, by everyone, except his fellow tax collectors and the people that tax collectors hung out with, the publicans and the sinners. <laughs> and he's a guy who I believe was accustomed to hearing people tell him where he could go. You cough up the required tax, you're in that county, you got to pay Levi for your taxes. And on the way, away from that tax collector's booth, you'd say, and I'll tell you where you can go, Levi. But here's a guy that on this day, Jesus shows up at his tax collector's franchise. <laughs> and he's not being told where to go. He's being bid to come. Levi, follow me. Radical. And what Levi does is radical. Zacchaeus, another Bible character who was a chief tax collector, was treed by Jesus. He gets in a tree to get a look at Jesus. Jesus goes to his tree. Zacchaeus, you come down. I need to go to your house today. That was radical. A known rabbi inviting himself to the house of a chief tax collector. And it was at least partially how he was treated by Jesus that caused him to be convicted of his sin, of his need for a savior. And that day at his house with Jesus there as a guest, Zacchaeus gets saved. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Now he is the child of Abraham. Now, I don't believe it all. I don't believe it all that when Jesus shows up at Levi, who's also called Matthew, Matt, when Jesus shows up at Matt's tax collector's booth, 
I don't think it's some kind of impulsive, crazy leap of faith, you know, where he just walks away to follow Jesus. Oh, no, no, I, I don't believe that at all. He knew about Jesus. Everybody knew about Jesus. But I think it's possible, even likely, that he knew not only about Jesus, but he personally knew he had some kind of acquaintance with some of Jesus' first foremost followers. Did you know that they've discovered in Israel ancient inscriptions that tells us, confirm for us, that one of the taxes that Rome had was a tax on fish? I think that's fascinating background in light of the story. Because Andrew, Peter, James, and John were in the fishing business, and they were in Levi's territory, the Sea of Galilee. And I think it's likely that when Andrew, Peter, James, and John had to pay their fish tax to Rome, they paid it through this dishonest, greedy guy named Levi, son of Alphaeus. And though they may not have said it verbally, I think they thought what others were bold enough to say, and I'll tell you where you can take that money and where you can go. Now, whether that's true or not, whether they knew him or he knew them, I don't know. But it is interesting. But either way, I don't think Levi's decision was without knowledge of who Jesus is and what this meant. It would drastically change Levi's life. Since I've used the word a couple of times already, it would radically change Levi's life. Everything about his life. He'd no longer be making the kind of money he was making. At least he can't do it dishonestly, not if he's going to become a follower of Jesus. I have to believe because he'd become what he'd become, he's living an immoral lifestyle. I have to believe that. And there had to be at least some of his friends and former associates that, that once he got up and followed Jesus and, and he would later become an apostle, and they'd be going, what in the world happened to Matt? What happened to Levi? He got religion. Peter writes about some of those friends of ours who when we really took that step to follow Jesus Christ and what they think. Let me read it for you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Listen carefully. Peter says, for you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans, unbelievers choose to do, living in debauchery, loose living, lust, going for the girls or the guys, drunkenness, Spending time at the bar or bringing the bar home. Orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange. Now, this translation, listen to the way it says it. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. Let me put that on our level. They think it's odd that you don't party with them anymore like you used to. They think it's strange. They think, what, what in the world's happened to you, man? What, what, what is going on with you? But Levi's decision to follow Jesus and everything that happened in his life that would have changed as a result is not the only radical thing in the story. The other radical thing in the story, Levi throws a party. Luke chapter 5 helps us adding a little color to this party. Luke chapter 5 and verse 29, here's what Luke says. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet. The word translated great in the Greek is megos. He held a megos. We get our English word mega. He held a mega banquet. This is not peanuts and punch, man. This is full deal. 
He held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Jesus is the guest of honor at this mega party. Another confident clue that Levi Matthew did pretty well in his franchise collecting taxes. He throws a mega banquet. Now, I have to believe he had thrown parties like this before. But this party, this party is different from the others. Why? When you make Jesus the guest of honor at your party, it changes the character of the party. And now, according to the text, the majority of people at the party, at least a lot of people at the party, are tax collectors and sinners. These are the crowd. These are the people that your parents say, hey, don't go hang out with them. Don't go to that party. And someone's three-dog night sang about when music was really music. <laughs> Mama told me not to come. <laughs> now I'm thinking of the words of that song. I just ruined it. I didn't do that any other service. Maybe a three-dog night fan is here. There's one. You see, this party now, Jesus is the guest of honor. And I don't know. I'm not giving the details. Was it an open bar? If it was, and if drinks are being served, if Levi is partaking... He's not overindulging. Why? Because he's become a follower of Jesus. And any female guest at this party that would have been accustomed to getting a little personal hospitality from Levi, especially later on in the evening, if you know what I mean, they're not enjoying that kind of hospitality from Levi at this party this time. And please understand this. Nobody at this party who's become a follower of Jesus, and there's a bunch of them, they're not thinking we're just going to do what the religious crowd is doing now. We're going to be like them. That's not what they're thinking at all. They're just thinking, man, I never met a guy like this. He forgave me. He's changed my life. And now they're doing what they're doing because of Jesus, and they're not doing what they used to do because of Jesus. And what a party it is. There is an atmosphere. There is an atmosphere of love and acceptance and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And the place is filled with overflowing joy because that's what happens when you really become a follower of Jesus. Especially if you're one of the publicans and tax collectors and sinners. But if you were at the party and you have an astute nose for the spiritual, while there's this atmosphere of love and grace and forgiveness and there's this overflowing joy, there's also, if you're astute in your, in your spiritual smell, you smell a rat. We read about it. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I smell a rat. Jesus is breaking yet another religious standard of the day. And books like this big one here that I read quite often, this one I stole from my wife, thank you. It's the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary. Let me read you a little section to help us understand what's happening at this dinner party that Levi throws in honor of Jesus. That the teachers of the law who are Pharisees just happen to be there. But they're there. They're there looking to criticize. The Pharisees... Most Pharisees were not priests, but they sought to extend the concerns of ritual purity, usually associated with priests in the temple, into the lives of ordinary Jews outside the temple. 
They were especially known for their attention to purity rules that organized and classified things, times, and persons. Their name means separated ones, and it was essential to their sense of separateness, holiness, to know what was permissible or prescribed, clean or unclean. Pharisaic purity rules specified not only what might be eaten, but out of which vessel and with whom one might eat. The Pharisees were particularly anxious that foodstuffs be properly grown, tithed from the food, and prepared. They shunned contact with people that they labeled the people of the land, people like Levi, who were less conscientious about such things. The Pharisees regarded their table as an altar before God, and they sought to replicate the purity of the priest in the temple. Eating for them became a holy occasion. In our culture, when we give a dinner party, we may worry about several things, where we'll eat, in the formal dining room, in the kitchen, who sits where, will the presence of a certain guest offend another guest, what should we serve, how do we prepare the food, what dinner, where do we use, what conversation is appropriate, what dress is appropriate. Guests at formal dinners may worry about which utensil to use, uh, with which course, that's my problem, and may fear committing some gaffe, I used the wrong fork. To the Pharisees, such questions had religious meaning. They gathered in hallowed groups to eat together in purity and reduce the risk of any pollution from the non-observant. The Pharisees believed that sinners would be kept at arm, should be kept at arm's length until decontaminated by proper repentance and the ceremonial rites. And I hope that little bit of background helps you understand exactly what's happening at this party that Levi throws in honor of Jesus. They're breaking all the religious rules of the day. And Jesus is the one leading them to do so. Jewish leadership over time had defined holiness. They boiled it down to 613 commandments from the Old Testament law, based on the Old Testament law. There were 365 don'ts and 248 do's. I think that's interesting. There are many more don'ts than do's. And it's the same way with religious legalism today. They'll tell you more don'ts than do's. They had their religion boiled down to almost a science, the way to dress, where to go, what to eat, not to eat, who to hang out with, who not to hang out with. And those who followed these religious practices, listen carefully, they became an exclusive group. And you could identify them by these things. So Jesus, a respected rabbi, leading his followers at Levi's house to socialize with many tax collectors and sinners, was to them anathema. Anathema, it's an abomination. So we have a radical decision by a tax collector named Levi, also called Matt, to become a follower of Jesus. And Levi throws a party. It's a mega party. And at this party, we have a radical rabbi leading his followers to break all the religious rules of the day in terms of who you hang out with. And so we learn some radical lessons. And oh, God, help me. Help us. I mean this with all my heart to live it out and not just teach it. To follow Jesus requires a radical departure from your present lifestyle. Please keep in mind that lifestyle may not have been a public and a tax collector and a sinner. Maybe you're just religious. And your religion may have it all wrong in terms of being like Jesus. Because there are a lot of religious people, and if you really get to know Jesus, you'll find out that's not what Jesus is like at all. 
So if you're the publican, you're the tax collector, the sinner, you're the outright rebel, you're, you're doing the sin that everybody knows and you know it's sin. Uh, you, you wanna follow Jesus, it means a radical departure. You need to leave that life. But if you're a religious bigot, you need to leave that life too. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the Book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.